Welcome back to another episode of Jake's Takes. My name is Jake. Thanks for tuning into this week's episode of the podcast. And on this week's episode, we're going to start with the Clippers and the Clippers' unveiling of their new uh, arena and everything going on with the Clippers in their uh, new situation. So the Intuit Dome, they had a sort of opening of it it's not made yet but like a kind of groundbreaking where Steve Ballmer was there and they went over kind of just everything with this giant stadium and there was Paul George and Kawhi Leonard and you know a bunch of players were in attendance and this is kind of a pet project for Steve Ballmer because they've been playing in the uh, Staples Center and it's been kind of an different situation because you have a place where it's your home but it doesn't look like it because obviously it's filled with all the Lakers championship banners and the retired numbers and everything involving the Lakers it's really not yours and every other team has sort of their own stadium their own sort of identity whereas the Clippers kind of have to share this stadium with the Lakers and the Kings um, of uh, hockey which isn't a big deal there but the Lakers it's a big deal because you walk into the home sort of arena and it's all this Lakers stuff so opening up a new arena gives the Clippers their own identity it gives them a chance to kind of be who they are and Steve Ballmer is you know been with this team since he bought it and he wants to kind of create his own legacy and not have this cycle of Clippers basketball being the little brother to Lakers basketball and it's one of those things where it gets to the point where the fans just have to go into a stadium and it's filled with Lakers memorabilia and Lakers banners. And that's just not something that they really want to see. And so uh, this is going to be big for them. And, you know, according to uh, everything going on, scheduled to open 2024-2025 season will cost him upwards of $2 billion which is about what he paid for the team. Uh, this is going to help the success. Um, and, uh, you know, I think uh, it's uh, an interesting situation. He put a, um, a quote out there, which came from an interview, I think, when he was at this event. And basically what was said um, is, I've never been in a place where you have two teams in town. I grew up in Detroit. Everybody here is a Pistons fan. I think for enough years, the Clippers were bad enough. Everyone could just ignore the Clippers. We're good now, and we're going to be good year in, year out. We're going to build our own building, more of our own identity, more of our own personality. And so will the Clippers ever be bigger and better than the Lakers? Probably not. Is Steve Ballmer kind of doing his best for his team? I think so. But at the end of the day, you have a championship roster in Los Angeles with the Lakers and the Clippers. And the Lakers added so many great pieces. It's hard because most people in Los Angeles are probably Lakers fans. And the people who are fans of the Clippers aren't as big. And they've kind of been that forgotten franchise, which I'm still surprised they are here. And I think if it wasn't Ballmer who bought the team, that they probably would have moved somewhere else just because you can't really have a team in Los Angeles that is so dominant and then another team there just kind of in the background. You need sort of another team 
somewhere else. And there's so many great places to play. Maybe this Clippers situation doesn't work out in the end, but you know, Steve Ballmer is trying to make the best for the Clippers, and if that's where they go, that's great. But there are so many teams that are just forgotten in the wayside. And I think Steve Ballmer has done so much for this franchise that makes them uh, very, very marketable. And I'm a huge fan of everything going on with um, the situation. And, you know, I think it's going to in the end work out. And I think, you know, they're just trying to separate themselves to be their own franchise. And that's that's how you got to be. And, um, you know, it's a good situation. And I think Steve Ballmer has done so much for this um for this uh, team, and that's, I guess, uh, where they go. So, looking at this next sort of tidbit of information, we're going to be looking at John Wall, which the last podcast was about John Wall, but more importantly, what we're going to be looking at is why I think it's very hard to trade for John Wall, and the packages may not come uh, because of that. And because of the sort of divide that could take place. So, John Wall has two years left. He is, when healthy, a dominant point guard. He was a five-time All-Star. Had a very bright future. And injuries over the last four, three or four years have kind of derailed that. And when he got paid big money, he deserved big money. But now he doesn't. He makes $44 million. And so, John Wall is in a category of point guards with Russell Westbrook and Chris Paul. And I think of these three, he is the worst of the bunch because Chris Paul makes teams better. And we've seen that with the numbers. He goes to one team, they have a better record. Russell Westbrook is a triple-double machine and is someone who, while not the best team player, is a very, very good player on his own right. He's in Los Angeles where he'll be great. And then you have John Wall who's sort of that odd man out because of the injuries and just everything with John Wall's, you know, uh, different uh, problems in his career which has caused him to miss a lot of games and so now Houston and John Wall are kind of at a split where they want to kind of you know end their relationship and John Wall wants to move on which is great for him but it is going to be very very hard to move him because of the big contract because he gets hurt a lot yes the point guard is probably the most desired position because the league is going to a point guard shooting guard league and you have great players at the point guard on many teams. But for uh, John Wall and the Rockets, it's going to come to a point where either A, they have to take the best offer, which is not the one they want to take, or B, and more importantly, they just keep him around, which he's not happy about, and then eventually he gets moved. And so, uh, you know, he is someone who... uh, has still a lot left in his tank if he's healthy i could expect him to get 17 18 points a game as a point guard and can be dominant at times and i think given a healthy john wall if we see what we saw last year that's not too bad you know that's not something to say oh that's that sucks he was decent i mean he averaged 20 points in almost seven uh, assists last year and he played for a pretty much whole season or most of the season So if he ends up doing the same thing, he can give you a lot. And I think some teams might have to take a chance on that, especially if they have um, some issues and they need another score, another point guard. And so 
It's going to be difficult to move him just because of the value and how much his contract is. If John Wall made $22 million instead of $44 million, then he would be an easier contract to move. I think teams would have more interest, but because he makes so much money, you're really just in a situation where it's going to be very hard to see him get moved. And so there are teams that could have interest. And the Clippers have been the first team mentioned pretty much all around the board because... Number one, they have the contracts to swap, whether that be Eric Bledsoe, who makes $18 million, Marcus Morris, who makes $15 million, Luke Kennard, who makes $12 million, Reggie Jackson makes $10 million, Serge Ibaka makes $9 million. So they do have contracts here that can kind of easily be swapped for John Wall, and then you can fill the rest of your roster with cheaper contracts, which Houston has a ton of cheaper contracts. There is about one, two... Three, four, five, six, seven, eight guys who make less than four million. And there is one, two, three, four guys who make less than two million. So you can throw in any number of players alongside John Wall to make the salaries match. And I think, you know, Houston is going to have to give up something uh, to get. Um, you know, John Wall off of their contract. I think with the Clippers, you don't have to do that as much. You know, you might have to trade away someone like Kyrie Thomas, who averaged uh, 16 points and 5 assists, or someone like a J.C. Tate, who averaged 11 points and 5 rebounds, or someone like a Kenyon Martin Jr., who averaged 9 points and 5 rebounds, or even if they have to, Kevin Porter Jr., who averaged 16 points and 6 assists. They might have to get rid of one of those contracts, which is under 2 uh, million alongside John Wall to get uh, the salaries and the player numbers to match um, and then you have you know potentially Eric Bledsoe and Luke Kennard getting traded and maybe you know Zubac and you know I think this team makes a lot of sense because I think a John Wall a healthy John Wall a Paul George and a Kawhi Leonard is a pretty good starting lineup you throw in Marcus Morris you throw in Serge Ibaka that's a very good starting five, right? You have a bunch of great players in this group, and this is a good situation. And so maybe uh, the Clippers are a good spot. There's another team that I think could really get involved depending on their situation with Kristaps Porzingis, which is the Dallas Mavericks. Now, I don't know if Kristaps Porzingis is going to be a good fit for a team like the Rockets, because they do have Christian Wood, who is probably going to be their four or their five. They also have the rookie Alfred Sagan, who is expected to be a four or a five. Um, they also have Daniel Tice, who's a bench piece, but he doesn't really matter as much. But if, you know, the Rockets were willing to take on Porzingis, who's younger, 26, and John Wall's 31, they trade away John Wall. Then Chris Stapps, Luka Doncic, you know, Tim Hardaway Jr. You have pieces here. You could get yourself, you know, a pretty solid starting lineup in Dallas with John Wall and Luka in the backcourt. I don't know if Dallas would want to do that, but they would be getting off of about an extra year on Porzingis' contract, which would go to the Rockets, because John Wall's a two-year. Porzingis is a three-year contract. So you could theoretically trade away someone like Porzingis for John Wall, and maybe trade away Dwight Powell, and then maybe add in Tice going to Dallas, and this could work. 
um, if they wanted to. But at the end of the day, I don't know if the Mavericks would want someone like a John Wall in their uh, uniform. Because maybe it's just not the right situation for them. And then the final team that could get involved in some form is the Thunder. Because as we all know, the Thunder like draft picks. And if John Wall gets straight to the Thunder, they would have to attach one or two first round picks, um, protections maybe included to get this done. So if the Thunder want to take a chance and they say, we got Shy, he's our shooting guard. We want John Wall. He's our point guard. He is a veteran. He is someone who is going to be here. Or even they just release him. They do a Kemba situation where they're like, we'll just get rid of him. And we will take on a first from Houston, a second from Houston. Who knows what they uh, acquire. But this could be a pretty good situation for the Oklahoma City Thunder down the line. And um, they could easily get involved uh, in this. We could also see in 2024, Houston Rockets have basically traded a pick to OKC. It was the Westbrook-Chris Paul deal. And I think there's protections on that. They could get rid of those protections so that it's an unprotected pick um, from Houston going to OKC, whether it's first pick or the 30th pick. So I think OKC could get involved more so because, hey, here's someone who's disgruntled and we want to trade for him and get some assets in return. And so at the end of the day, I don't know if the Rockets want to give up draft picks with John Wall. I think that might be why John Wall ends up not getting moved as quickly so we'll see what ends up happening maybe you know the Rockets um, trade John Wall maybe they decide not to um, at the end of the day it's something we just don't know and maybe that'll get figured out at some point but I think at the moment you know it's an interesting situation with John Wall and it's ever-changing and so we have to kind of see where we go from here Maybe um, it gets um, a better situation for him, and he gets moved, and everybody's happy. But who knows? Uh, it's, you know, something that we just don't really know what's going to happen, and we're going to have to just wait and see. So there's that. Looking at this next article, which um, looks at some NBA players, and it looks at NBA trade rumors, uh, six blockbuster deals that would shake up the 2021-2022 season. This is according to fan-sided uh, website. So basically it doesn't give you trades, but it gives you players and teams that they could go to. And so we're going to look at this, see where they go, and if it works, um, what would be a good trade. So the first one, Buddy Heald to the Dallas Mavericks. Now, this is, um, you know, an interesting uh, situation because I think maybe you could do something with Porzingis and Buddy Heald getting traded. Maybe you do Buddy Heald and Marvin Bagley for Porzingis and other stuff because I think there's too many guards in Sacramento and I don't think they really need Buddy Heald anymore. Maybe you have Rashawn Holmes, you have Porzingis at the power forward. That's not um, too bad of a trade um, if you can try and get something uh, to happen. I don't know if Dallas would go after Buddy Heald, but I think Luca, Buddy Heald, Tim Hardaway Jr., not a bad starting, you know, threesome right there. Not the worst uh, situation at all. I think there's some, you know, truth that that could make sense. 
Um, it wouldn't be the worst move in the world. Then we have the next one, which is a blockbuster, Colin Sexton to the New Orleans Pelicans. Now, I think there is um, a lot that can go uh, right uh, if Colin Sexton goes to New Orleans because they do have um, a good player in Devontae Graham, who they just signed this offseason. I think Colin Sexton could be an even better player. And if Cleveland doesn't want to pay him, then maybe this is where they go. So you could do K.R. Lewis Jr. and a bunch of draft picks for Colin Sexton because they have a bunch of draft picks to throw out there. Um, that's an option. I don't know if they'll go in that direction, but that's a pretty solid option. You could do Jackson Hayes and some draft picks, although I don't think they need another big man. So it would probably be something with K.R. Lewis and two firsts for Colin Sexton, maybe that's a little too much, I don't know, but I think this could be a good, you know, situation, I think this could be a good move, and it wouldn't be the worst uh, situation as well. Then we have Miles Turner to the Los Angeles Clippers. Now, I don't know how this would take place, because I think Miles Turner has a lot of value, and I think what would have to get traded away is either Luke Kennard or Marcus Morris. And I don't know if the Clippers are really going to do that. And they don't have a ton of first-round picks to throw out there. And I don't know if, uh, you know, the Pacers would do this without first-round picks. I think, yes, uh, Marcus Morris is great. And they would rather probably have him fit-wise than Miles Turner. But I don't think the Clippers have the assets to get it done unless they're trading away like a bunch of pieces maybe they do a Zubac Marcus Morris trade with like a second round pick thrown in for Miles Turner I don't know if he would be the perfect fit for them anyways I don't think that's that's a good one next is the trade idea Ben Simmons for CJ McCollum I don't know if this would be a straight swap but here's the deal this is not going to happen for a few reasons number one I don't know if the 76ers want McCollum I think they're still kind of set on Ben Simmons for Damian Lillard, which obviously Damian Lillard's not available and will never be available. And I think that's the reason why this doesn't happen, because the Portland Trailblazers may be like, yeah, let's get rid of CJ. Let's do Ben Simmons for CJ, which is a better fit. But then, you know, you have Philly on their side that's like, nah, we're going to wait. We want Damian Lillard. And Portland's like, nah, he's not moving. So to me, that's why I don't think this will happen, just because of the fact that they're on two different wavelengths. Philly wants one player who's not available, and Portland wants one player traded away who Philly doesn't want. So maybe if there's no offers and, you know, they're desperate, they could go for a CJ trade with Ben. But at this point, they're waiting for the Damian Lillard shooter drop, and... Just because, you know, Damian Lillard becomes available doesn't actually mean he's going to want to go to Philadelphia. And yes, there could be rumors out there saying that if he gets traded, Philly's an ideal option. But we don't know what he wants. We don't know if he actually wants to go to Philly because they're not really a team that wins. And they don't have a lot of success. So most likely Damian Lillard wouldn't want to be in a situation where he's going to a team that's not going to win anyways. Um, so that's not going to happen just because of the two teams with sort of different uh, views. Then we have the next one, which is Pascal Siakam to the Golden State Warriors, which I like this move a lot. I think you could make the case that this move could really work. And if, for example, the, 
you know, Toronto Raptors trade for James Weissman, and let's say they trade for, um, you know, Jonathan Kamunga, and you trade Siakam, and Andrew Wiggins gets traded to um, the uh, gets traded to uh, Toronto just for salary. You could make this case, right? You could even try and do James Weissman and a uh, Andrew Wiggins in a first round pick for Siakam, which I think is a great trade, and I think that's better because now you can put uh, Scotty Barnes at the power forward, and then you could have Andrew Wiggins at the shooting guard. And then you could have OG at small forward. And I think for for uh, Golden State, I think a Pascal Siakam, Draymond Green, power forward center combination is not too bad. I think they would still have to find someone to play the three, which I think that could just be Otto Porter Jr. Um, but I think this is not a bad move at all. And then uh, it could work. And then the sixth, or uh, I should say the final one, the sixth one, Bradley Beal to the Boston Celtics, which... Bradley Beal to Boston seems almost like a pretty sure thing if he becomes available. If Bradley Beal becomes available, of course he's going to want to play with Jason Tatum because they're friends. I think it's a situation where the Celtics can offer draft picks in young players, and it might not be the best package, but if Bradley Beal doesn't want to go anywhere else and he says, I want to play in Boston... It's going to be very easy to be like, here's Al Horford, who's going to be an unrestricted free agent in two years, and his contract is not guaranteed fully. Here's a bunch of young guys. Peyton Pritchard was good in Summer League. Aaron Nesmith was good in Summer League. We could even give you Marcus Smart or Rob Williams. To me, I think it would have to be a three-team deal, because I think you'd have to trade Marcus Smart to a veteran championship-caliber team, and then you'd have to trade draft picks and young players from that team to the Wizards, because I don't think they would want Marcus Smart, even though he's a great player. Like, you could go to Dallas and trade away um, maybe Josh Green and a first-round pick for Marcus Smart, and Marcus Smart goes to Dallas. Or you could trade away one of the young guys in San Antonio, and you could get Marcus Smart in San Antonio. Or you could potentially trade Marcus Smart to, um, like, Atlanta, and maybe you do Marcus Smart to Atlanta for, like, a Cam Reddish-led deal maybe with a draft pick thrown in. So I think the Celtics and Bradley Beal is an ideal situation. You have uh, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Bradley Beal. That would be great. I think, you know, if he wants to leave, which he hasn't said he does, Boston would make a ton of sense just because of the fact that they're a good team, and I think they're sort of one piece away from being a championship team, and I think that could be the case um, as well. And so... Um, I don't really know what's going to happen, but I guess we'll wait and see uh, from there. So, I was also reading an article which came out. It was on HoopsRumors.com, which I don't know if it's actually uh, legitimate or not. But uh, Joe Johnson, who plays in the Big Three, uh, second straight MVP season in the Big Three, uh, he hasn't given up the idea of returning to the NBA. Who He is 40 years old, by the way. Uh, I guess uh, he told TMZ that he can still he still believes he can play at the highest level. Uh, quote, according to him, no, I'm not done. We'll see what happens here. We'll see, man. We'll see. I don't have nothing definite to tell you, to be honest with you. But I'm going to try to be out here and try and get things done. Um, he has been in the NBA since the 2017-28 season where he played 
for the Jazz and the Houston Rockets. This is just crazy to think that Joe Johnson would ever come back to the NBA. No team would want him. He's too old. Stick to the big three. It's a bunch of old players. It's a bunch of old veterans. This is not something that um, is a bad situation for you. Stay in the big three. You're doing very good. Obviously, in the NBA basketball is um, is uh, glamorous, but um, in my opinion, you're not good enough for the NBA anymore. You're an older player, and um, yeah, that's just not going to happen. So he can say what he wants because he's just doing great in the big three league, but at the end of the day, I just don't see anyone um, taking him back. Uh, he had his time. He was a pretty good NBA player, and that's about all you get out of him. And so I guess that's uh, that. I don't think he'll be good in the NBA anymore.